Welcome, everybody, to the WDEX show. Yes, it's the show, The Wire Differently Experience. And my name is Todd Saylor, the author of the book, The Brand and the Attitudinal Disorder, Wired Differently. And my job is to love you. My job is to encourage you. My job is to maybe teach you a few things and remind you of a few things. And the show's job, though, is to challenge the status quo, to get you out of possibly this land of quo that we kind of get settled in at sometimes. And your job, well, your job is to sit back, relax, and listen, learn, but think, be, and do things differently. We talk about differently quite often through wired differently and the mantra of things in this life. And the thing we want to project here is differently. Well, different is an adjective. Differently is an adverb. And what does an adverb do? It modifies. In this particular case, it modifies the adjective different. So I want to put action into the word different. So I want to be referring to things as differently, right? So what we're going to talk about today is your mark. How do we look at things in this world differently? It's actually the first chapter in my book, Drift Again. And I thought I would teach out of this book just a little bit. You know, a lot of the promotion of the book's going on. It's around. We've sold, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I've got a rough number of about 5,000 books over the last two years that I've sold of Wired Differently. And I got to tell you, I had a great month this last month and this month is ramping up and we've got a great Facebook and Instagram campaign going on. And so if you see those ads out there, click them, like them, give me a comment, tell me how much you like the book. I appreciate all the things that's coming in. It's just been, been phenomenal. But today, today I want to talk about the mark, your mark. In Drift Again, we talk about the eight traits of supremely purposeful people. And Drift Again is the number one trait of all supremely purposeful people. Successful people are supremely purposeful, right? And so I wanna talk about this drift again sometime in the past, but I want to explain to you right now that the drift again is the number one trait, is that we lose focus, that we drift. And then when we drift, we drift and drift and awesome, we get it built back and we figure things out, but sometime later we end up drifting again. And that's the trait of wired differently people in mankind, I believe. And I want to be able to talk about that in depth, but I want to set up this chapter called The Mark. The Mark is this particular chapter that's the number one first chapter in my book. And it's the chapter that I feel that is really the driving chapter of this book. And it's the second trait of supremely purposeful people. Successful people are supremely purposeful. And to set the mark up, I want to kind of just real quickly talk about the mark. Mark is a name of a person. We know that. A mark is a marker out in the ocean as I'm looking at it right now. But a mark to me in our book and our Wired Differently vernacular is this idea of setting a goal, setting a target of not just a number or a place or a thing, but a person. And so it's perfect to call the mark, Mark. So we give Mark the name Mark. It could be a woman, it could be a man, it could be a partner, it could be a friend, it could be a, a, a business adversary, it could be a business uh, person that you look up to. I have several Marks in my life. My father is probably the number one Mark in my life. Well, he's not a bad Mark, he's a good Mark. 
Now, there's some bad marks out there that I want to get past because I'm just not happy with them the way they did other people or they did me or my family or kind of the way things work in this world. And yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I've went after them in a competitive way. I've wanted to surpass them. I wanted to beat them. Maybe some high school buddies, maybe some college buddies, maybe some business people out there in the world that I'm in every day that forces me to be competitive. Not a pretty thing all the time, but we have to have a mark. If we don't have a mark, we're just floating around. We can't lead ourselves to a place that we need to be better in. So it's important that we pick marks. We pick good marks. We pick difficult marks and we pick competitive marks for whatever reason is. I really don't care. I just want to make sure that you have a mark. You need a mark in your life to drive you forward, to compel you to become better, to have this personal goal target or, or process that you're going to surpass some other person. So I want to make it clear that the mark in my book is talking about another person. I know in this woke culture and things that are going on out there that, you know, maybe Todd shouldn't be talking about going after other people. Well, I am. I have went after other people to surpass them. There's no question that's happened in my life. And it's no question that's made me better in my life. And I'm not the only person that's done that. Let's talk about Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. You don't think those two had marks in their mind. Larry Bird wanted to make sure he was surpassing Magic Johnson. And Magic Johnson wanted to make sure he was capturing Larry Bird and surpassing him. Come on, man. You don't think Michael Jordan had a mission to crush everybody in front of him at whatever cost it took? You don't think the NFL players have a mission to dominate and to control the line of scrimmage and other people on those positions across from them? You don't think that Elon Musk, right, doesn't want to be the smartest, fastest, brightest dude? He said he's going to Mars, damn it, and he's going to Mars and get out of his way. Someone else is in his way, right? Jeff Bezos. He has Jeff Bezos in the crosshairs of his sights. <laughs> that's just the way it is. And I, I don't want you to run from it. I want you to embrace it. And that's why I talk about it in Drift Again. That's why I talk about the mark in Drift Again. It's chapter one. It's a beautiful, Lloyd Ball talked about it. He loved it. American athlete and hero, Olympic winner, amazing gold medal winner. So let's talk about the mark. What's your mark? You have a mark, get a mark. Damn it, if you don't have a mark right now, I want you to write down on a piece of paper or start thinking about in your mind, who is your mark? Pick a good mark. My dad, what a great mark for me. What a great mark. I'm still trying to uh, uh, find that mark every day. I write about it in my book. It's a good example of a good mark. Good example, uh, another good mark, Rick Scheidt. Probably just fall on the floor if he heard me say his name. Back in 1983, 82, 81, we were pole vaulters in high school. And every day, man, he was a good mark. But I didn't like him so much all the time. He broke the school record before me. He beat me in a few competitions. I hated that fact. I would stay and work and work and work. And I was thinking as much about the heights I needed to go. But I had Rick Scheidt blazed in my mind. I didn't like the fact he got the accolades. I didn't like the fact that he broke the school record before me. I didn't like any of it, and I didn't like him for it, and I couldn't change who I was or why I was that way. The mark. 
But I want to tell you about a mark real quick, and I'm going to give you the story about my buddy Jerry. But I want you to understand seven reasons why we need marks in our life. All right. So number one, beating your mark satisfies your needs to win. Beating your mark. We all have needs to win. Even, even the person with the most conservative uh, personality trait in the human model of behavior or the wire different human model behavior, when we talk about this in the future to come, the, the, the most passive uh, uh, personality traits might be uh, the supportive trait. But even the supportive trait has a need to win deep down somewhere. We were born to win. We needed to win something. We can't take being beat up our whole life or being bullied our whole life. I don't care who you are. It doesn't feel good. You don't want to feel like that. And that's not how we're wired to do things. Beating your mark satisfies your need to win. You need to fulfill that winning feeling once in a while. Some of us more than others. I will admit I got an issue with it. But I will tell you this, even the person, the shyest person, the most supportive, the most S-type personality in this world needs to win. Pick a mark. It's in your head. Write it down. Be it, keep it to yourself. It's, it, it, it satisfies the need to win. I want you to fulfill that need to win. Pick a smaller mark at first. Go after it. Go after that person. Compare yourself in some regards to that person. Now, I don't want your whole life obsessed with comparing yourself to Instagram and Facebook because I got that problem myself. I look at it and it takes over. That's why I want you to narrow your scope down to an individual that can lift you up, that can push you forward. Number two, competing against your mark creates motivation for improvement. Now, I know this is some rough talk for some people, some people that don't want to be pressured with this type of thing. But number two, we need to compete against our mark to create motivations for improvement. There's no question. If you don't meet your mark, but you improve, you're better. And a lot of us sit around and we don't have that uh, uh, push or that, that shove or that gentle nudge to become better. We have to lead ourselves into that. Check in with your mark. Check in with that nemesis, if you will. Create that nemesis, if you will. Who is that person that's driving you forward in the payroll business, Todd? Say, I know who he is. I know his company. I know what I do to get around that dude. I know what I do with my entire organization to make sure we're lined up to do warfare with that company on a regular basis. And we win. But we would have never won. We would have never taken that mark to that level and been efficient in that regards if I wouldn't have specifically as a CEO said, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. And this is how we're going to do it. Number three, competition brings out the best work. Internally, you're working with your company employees and they're all your friends. They should be your friends for the most part, but they're not all your friends all the time. Don't, let's not start lying now in this far differently world. It's okay. Everybody's not going to like you all the time. And you can't honestly like everybody all the time. You can be cordial, but sometimes you just need to open up a can of whoop ass. And that means you have to do better than that person that's in front of you. I know this is tough love, man. I'm going to get some mail. I don't care. It's life. I got to live in it. 
And I got to coach you in a manner that I think that you can be effective. Do you want to be coddled your whole life? No, you don't. Number four, competing, competing against a mark opens your eyes to new possibilities. So you're out there competing against your mark. You're out there competing at this target, this goal. You've got a face on it. You're doing it. But it not only does beating your mark satisfies win, competing your mark creates motivation. Competing brings on the best work. But competing against a mark opens your eyes to new possibilities. I mean, I look at even these guys in the speaker world. I mean, there's guys that are up there like Tony Robbins, which, of course, is just galactic, right? And a special man in his own right. And he motivates me and inspires me. But I got guys like Del Tor McNeil. I got other guys like Ron Eccles that are around in my life that are just amazing, you know, and they lift me up. And when I see them and I kind of compete with them in regards to being excellent, I see things they're doing. Hey, I can do that. Hey, that makes more sense. I was so blind in my focus that I couldn't really compete in a way of broadness, right? These marks lift us up, right? And they bring on new possibilities for us. You know, early on, uh, I was doing a radio show with a guy named Dave Kaufman, and he was, he was writing his first book. And I thought, hey, you know, I can do more than a radio show. I can write a book too. I have so many things in my mind that I've thought about, but that raised that possibility for me that I wasn't really seeing front and center. And it became a new launching pad for me. Three books, over 5,000 books sold. Wired differently, one. Workbook, Wired differently, one. And now Drift again. And my third book, Supremely Purposeful, is coming out in 22. Compete, number five, competing against a mark brings focus on your efforts. So when you compete again, it opens up horizons, but number five, it com competing brings focus into your own efforts. So you have to focus on what you're doing to win, or if not win, compare or improve, right? And if you're not doing that, you can't have focus on yourself. And I know everybody understands the word yourself. And I know everyone understands the word me, my favorite subject, me, right? It's coming out right here. Compete against a mark brings focus in your own efforts. I've, I got a little cheat note right here, but I'm telling you right now, number five is imperative. I don't know. I don't know why I'm cray cray like this. I don't know why wire differently makes me this way. But if I don't share the love, the idea, the expressions, the attitudinal disorder that I have in regards to the mark and the chapter of the mark, I can't be teaching you anything. And if this is bothering you, please stay tuned. Listen, let it bother you a little bit. Because we don't get better if we don't lead ourselves to get better. And I'm helping you lead yourself to get better. Number six, a worthy mark continues to get better with you and others' pressures on them, which forces you to dig deeper to the distance. So the marks that I have in my life, if they're a worthy mark, right? A viable mark, a breathing, living mark, they continue to get better. They don't just say, oh, I hear Todd coming. I hear footsteps. I think I'm just going to quit. No, 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 that mark keeps going. That mark takes your pressure and lifts it up a notch, which forces you to stay engaged, right? I know, we got this. And number seven, compete against 
a mark attracts opportunity you to stand out amongst your peers. So these marks are generally in your peers or in your work line or in your workforce, right? And the fact that you're challenging a mark, the fact that you're approaching a mark, the fact that you're like, they can hear you running, they can hear the footsteps. The fact that that's happening, right? <laughs> Forces them to be better. Hell, you're doing them a favor, right? But then fact that that's doing you a favor because you're not letting up, right? It helps you to go the distance, right? We say it all the time. It's not just the efforts that we make, but more so the distance that we will go. Pick a mark that's going the distance too. You don't want marks that are trailing off and just saluting you and saying, hey, great job, Todd. Way to donate that money. Way to write that book. I'm just going to get out of your way. <laughs> I've never had a good mark do that. Not one. So anyways, I want to just kind of tell you this. Oh, let me give you a quote here. I'm going to tell you this story about a mark of mine. When you eclipse the mark that you seek, then you'll become the mark that you saw. That's the quote that's in my book. When you eclipse the mark that you seek, you will soon become the mark that was sought. And I think that's a goal for all of us in, in, in the business world, in the relationship world, in some regards, whether we want to say it out loud or we want to talk about me, talking about you, helping you have the rights to feel good about feeling good about yourself, right? Wired differently. I know that I'm important because if I don't talk about me, you can't talk about you and you can't literally lift other people up if you can't be fresh and good and wired differently yourself. Listen, I was on an airplane just the other day and they said, hey, if this plane goes down, make sure you put the oxygen on your face first so you can help the baby next to you. You can help the lady or the man next to you, right? So listen, this is this is not being egomaniacal. maniacal. This is just being factual, true and our responsibility wired differently. So listen, I just want to tell you in wrap, I want to tell you the story about a, a really changing mark in my life. And his name is Jerry. And I wrote about him in my first book. And he, he was in a New York family and we did a lot of business there. And I know you love that chapter, but I talk about him in Drift, Drift Again. Jerry was just a little older than me, uh, 10 years or so. And I was a younger man. I was in my late twenties, early thirties. And I built this company and I was a rising star as a salesperson in 1996, 97, something like that. And the company was publicly traded and my sales were just bursting. And I was in the running for the national sales director, right? I'm not, I'm sorry. I was in the running for the national salesman of the year. And, and the only guy that was in my way was this legend by the name of Jerry. And I love Jerry to this day. Rest in peace, Jerry. I love you. You're a warrior and the, one of the best, biggest, greatest marks in my life. And and I could get emotional telling this story. But Jerry was a warrior. And he had basically invented this industry called the payroll or the PEO industry. And I was growing and I was on his footsteps. And he was the top salesman every year, every year, every matter of fact, he was so amazing that people knew about him all over the country. But that wasn't enough. He was my mark. And when he finally came into our company, our, our publicly traded company, bought his company and he came in as the top salesman in the freaking world, right? And here I was 30 some years old, 29, 30 some years old, and I wanted that spot. And we finally met in Phoenix, Arizona at the Biltmore Hotel in, a, in, a, in an epic uh, uh, 
matchup of personalities. And when we walked up to each other, we both knew that we were leading salespeople and we were both running for the salesperson of the year for this publicly traded company. And we shook hands and we smiled and we acted like we liked each other. How are you doing, Jerry? Good to see you. I heard about you some good things. Oh, Todd, I heard about you. Great things. You keep up the hard work, kid. Kid? Anyways, Jerry and I did the fake pleasantries. We went through the meeting and he was a mark and he would not let it be known, but maybe he heard my footsteps, right? So I heard in that conversation, he says, hey, you know what? I'll be at the gym tomorrow around six o'clock. Maybe I'll see you around. Well, I tossed that little nugget in my head, right? And I went down there the next morning because I wanted the edge on Jerry's brain. I wanted that mark to know that my feet were coming, that he could hear footsteps coming because Todd was not going to slow down until he was the salesperson of the year, right? And so that morning I got to the gym and I unplugged the treadmills all but two. And then I did a quick circuit around the gym, got my muscles warmed up and everything. And then I jumped on the treadmill soon before Jerry would get there. I knew Jerry was going to come in there. I knew Jerry was a runner. I knew all about Jerry because he was my mark, right? I knew that I wasn't going to just sit back and let this guy run all over me, right? I was going to engage in his own psychological warfare in his own game, and I got on the treadmill. So when he came in at 5.30, whatever the heck time he showed up, I was already on the treadmill. And I was in there about 5. And the 5, you punch the number 5 and it tells you the pace you're going to be going. Jerry looked around for a treadmill. Of course, he picked the one at the very end that was unplugged. Then he went down the line and he had to run right next to me. Larry, Jerry and I were right next to each other and the race was on. Not a word was said. The unspoken thing was this. We knew each other were marks. We knew each other that this challenge was epic. The unspoken was that this game was on. Who was the man? And I'm going to be the man. And I was not going to get off that treadmill till he got off that treadmill and he walked out that door and he knew that I had the edge and I had the mark in my sights and he was it. So the race was on. About 30 minutes later, he pumped his speed meter up to 5.5 and I pumped mine up to six and he saw everything I did. And then he pumped his up at about 45 minutes of six and I bumped mine up to 6.5. And this went on for almost an hour and finally an hour's going and I've been on that treadmill about an hour and a half. And I'll be honest with you, I couldn't feel my legs. My heart was hurting. My back was hurting. My mind was hurting. But I remember thinking to myself, on an epic scale, just like my daddy-o always did things. Todd, if you don't get off this treadmill last, this will be an epic loss. This will be an epic setback in your life. Matter of fact, you may just lose the award of the national sales person. You may just lose your family. You may just have your children shame you. Your wife may probably leave you, may become impoverished. You may become poor. You may never sell again. This may psychologically set you back to infancy in life. You may never, ever win anything at life. And I'm pounding these things in my brain on how important this stupid treadmill race is. But it's not stupid because it's a war. It's not a war with Jerry. It's a war with me. It's a war with the mark. It's how we do things. That's why we do things wire differently, because we do things sometimes on an epic scale. 
And as I ran that treadmill, he bumped it up one more time. And of everything I had, I bumped it up one more time. And finally, after an hour and a half or so, Jerry finally slowed his treadmill down. And I just kept running and looking forward. And ultimately, he hit the stop button, got his towel, and walked off. And as he was walking off, I bumped that stinking treadmill up one more notch and I acted like I was in the perfect shape of my life. But as he jumped out that door, shut the door, walked around the corner, I stopped, I fell off that treadmill and I puked for days in that trash can. But the bottom line is, Jerry was my mark. So I want to wrap this podcast up with you. I want this wire differently moment to be a defining moment for you because it was a defining moment for me, right? It was a defining moment that I had encompassed in my life. I had set the epic moment. I had set the table. I had called my shot. I had created the edge. I had sought my mark and I had surpassed it on that occasion, which set me up for success. I led myself to that success. So in conclusion, I just want to let you know, at the end of my book, Wire Differently Drift Again, I do these teachings and I have these little uh, uh, cross-sticks in here. And I just want to tell you what Mark stands for. I want you to understand that the Mark, the Mark teaching, the M in Mark stands for my beloved Jerry. Now, we know M stands for Mark. But Jerry's name is Jerry and it starts with J. I love Jerry. We lost Jerry about four years ago. After that race, I did become the national sales winner for three, four years straight. Our corporately uh, publicly traded company exploded. Um, and roughly in 2000, somewhere early 2000, the company disbanded and uh, some things changed and Jerry went his way and I went my way and we formed our own businesses together. We remained great friends and he taught me so much in his declining years and I just love him. So that mark became more than just a mark. It became a massive friend and a huge role model in my life. You need a Jerry. So M stands for my Jerry. Who's your mark? Who's your Jerry? Now, A, A stands for awareness. Are you aware that you need a mark? Are you aware that you need these things in your life? You know, you know who you are. You know what you need. Maybe you don't need a treadmill experience, but you do need targets. You do need focus. You do need goals. Even if you're a shy person, pick something in that range. Push yourself just a little bit more. And R, in the word mark, R stands for run your ass off. I, I, you don't have to be on a treadmill. You don't literally have to be running, but I need you to work. I need you to run. I need you to get after it. I need you to be a doer. I need you to be an activist. I need you to be a leader. I need you to know yourself and lead yourself. We talked about that in the past. If you can't lead yourself, you can't lead anybody else. And last but not least, K, Mark. And I just, you know, I remember writing this chapter and I'm thinking, man, I just love the word call it and crush it. But I wanted to use the K instead of the C because wired differently in my book and I can write it any way I want, right? So call it, crush it. Call the treadmill, crush it. Unplug the treadmill, crush it. Call Jerry as your mark, crush it. Call these marks targets, go out and crush it. The greatest leaders call their shots. They're called shot callers. Babe Ruth was a shot girl. I'm putting it in the right field. Watch this thing go, right? Anyways, I love you. I love doing these talks. 
This book is amazing, a life changer in many, many ways. It's going to make you laugh. It might make you cry. It's going to improve you. In chapter two, your mark is going to set you free and set you into the next place in your successful career of competitive mindset. Again, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, Todd Saylor, Wired Differently. Hey, man, let's do this thing called life wired differently. Check out my book. Check out my podcast on Spotify. Check out my YouTube channel, Todd Saylor, Wired Differently. All kinds of content, and I love having you around. Talk with you soon. Y'all are my faves now. You know that. This has been the Wired Differently Experience. W-D-E-X.